Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. I preached one point, didn't, didn't even read a poem this morning, and uh, dismissed at 12.03 to all the children's church and junior churches. Surprise, they thought they went long. They didn't go long, I just went short. But uh, that's what's good about a series, uh, you can just take up where you left off, amen? And I love series because I know where I'm going. Salvation is a spiritual experience. You must be born of the Spirit. And you must worship in spirit and in truth. And a lot of times churches low rate uh, the salvation experience to signing a card, joining a church, or getting baptized. And all those are commendable. I think everybody ought to be baptized after they get saved. And I believe everybody ought to join a church because it identifies with the winning team and it opens up opportunities to serve God. As I was visiting yesterday telling some folks, it's just a good testimony. How in the world can you invite somebody to a church that you don't belong to? You don't think enough of this church to belong to it. You sure can't invite other people to it. Amen? So uh, I think it's wonderful to be a part of the church. But I want to tell you something. It's much more than church membership. Baptists will bust hell wide open if they're not born of the Spirit. Uh, Catholics, Methodists, Episcopalians, all will go straight to hell if all they have is their religious affiliation. We must be born again. John 3, 3, we must be born of the Spirit. And when you turn to John chapter 5, just as a background verse to our study tonight or our sermon, uh, John chapter 5, verse 24, it shows you what salvation is all about and what a miracle it is. It's a miracle. Salvation, if you're saved by the grace of God, the drawing of the Spirit of God, and been birthed into the family of God and baptized into the body of Jesus by the Holy Ghost, it is nothing short of a miracle. The greatest miracle in the world is being saved to go to another world that's far better. Say amen. And the Bible says in John 5 and verse 24, I was there and I, I went back to Romans, amen. Uh, John chapter 5 and verse 24, I think I could quote it, but I'm not sure. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him, not just about him, that sent me, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. We went over that this morning. But it's passed from death unto life. I want you to see that. Salvation experience is you pass from death unto life. And could I add spiritual life? And that brings me to my text. Let's stand on the Word of God, Romans chapter 8, and uh, we'll go on from verse 1 uh, with not much review. Amen. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's the place of redemption. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life, spirit of life, that's our topic for the next few weeks. The law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And what the law could not do in that it was weak, listen to that, through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind, keyword, mind, the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the, of, of the, uh, the, things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now I want you to look at verse 9 in conclusion. It says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Got to read verse 10. And it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. In other words, it's a spiritual resurrection when you get saved. And folks, the last time I checked, a resurrection is the greatest miracle of all. It's more important than getting healed from some disease. It's more important than reforming yourself into a better person. Folks, when you get saved, it's a spiritual resurrection. Amen. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you. For the monumental, miraculous time that you saved us. And Lord, as we look back to that time, it wasn't signing some papers. And it wasn't turning over some old leaf to try to get a new leaf. It was being spiritually indwelled for life. For a life of joy. A life of peace. A life of power and a life of purpose. God, thank you for the spirit life that's described in John or Romans chapter 8. We're going to thank you and praise you for speaking to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. This whole chapter is talking about the spirit. The spirit, the Holy Spirit of God will make a difference in your life. This morning I began the first point and that is the deliverance. It's a deliverance of the spirit. Only Christ can deliver you from a mundane existence called the flesh. Only the Spirit of God can deliver you, number one, from the sentence of death. The promise is right there in verse 1. There is there, therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Thank God we're spared, John 3, 36, from the wrath to come because we're in Christ we no longer walk according to the course of this world with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We are delivered. We're delivered from the wrath of God. We're delivered from hell. John chapter 9, verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell. And so, folks, uh, it's a promise. It's a wonderful promise. Folks, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a wonderful promise. You'll believe in your heart. But I want to tell you something. You will not believe in your heart unless the Spirit of God gives you faith. Unless God convicts you, the Holy Spirit convicts you. Because most people think that they're okay. Number two, the place. It's in Christ. I don't think we have to preach that again. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then there's proof. And look at verse 1, the last phrase. 
It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It says, there's no condemnation, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now some people mistranslate that and say it's a condition. No, it's not a condition. It's a fact of life. If you're saved, if you're saved, you've got a different walk. You've got a different talk. You've got a different life. And folks, I want to tell you something. A lot of people criticize we Baptists about eternal life. Can't lose your salvation. Say, so, well, if I believe that, I'd live like I want to. Number one, you got a new want to. The Spirit of God convicts you of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And I'll tell you this, the Spirit of God convicts you and convinces you that God knows your life and that He has called you by His grace. And folks, God help us if we low-rate salvation to uh, experience or work or results of the flesh. It's much more than that. And then we see not only does He deliver us from uh, the sentence of death, but uh, I finished that this morning, I believe. But he delivers us from the slavery of sin. Uh, that uh, song this morning, save, 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 that's exactly what we are. We're saved from the penalty of sin. We're saved from the power of sin, and the dominion of sin. And thank God one day we're going to be saved from the presence of sin because there is no more sin in heaven or the devil or the sorry flesh that wants our way. And so we're delivered from the sentence of death but we're delivered from the slavery of sin. The slavery of sin. You know the Bible says in verse 2 it says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I read a beautiful poem uh, Thursday at Miss Hannah's uh, funeral service, and I thank you for putting that in there, um, Brother Billy and Miss Teresa. And it's about the freedom of heaven. It says, I'm free. I won't read it, but praise God, y'all have all heard it. And it touched my heart. As a matter of fact, when I read that, God the Holy Spirit confirmed that I was supposed to preach this message tonight Amen. on being free. But folks, it's not just free in heaven from the presence of sin, but we can be free from the dominance of sin. And that's one of the lifeline and testimonies to your heart is that, folks, you're no longer a puppet of hell, but you're a servant of the living God. <clears throat> you're not only a vessel of the flesh, but you're a vessel of the Holy Spirit that dominates your life. It should dominate your life and direct your life and correct your life. It's wonderful to have a spiritual relationship with a living God, but you'll never come to His presence unless you're born of the Spirit. <clears throat> so when you get born again, there's three enemies, three masters <clears throat> that you need to overcome, that you need to be free from. Number one is the um, flesh. Uh, if you're not careful, the flesh will rule your life. Amen. And you'll live like a piranha just to gratify the flesh. I mean, you talk about flesh-eating fish. I would hate to be caught in a stream with some piranha. I've heard about it down in South America. Never seen one, never want to see one. But I want to tell you this, friend. There is another piranha called your flesh. If you're not careful, it will try to get gratified and eating up everything in your life. 
trying to consume it upon the lust of the flesh. And then the world. Folks, isn't this world crazy? Now, I'm not talking about this world, this beautiful uh, scenery, praise God. I was talking to Brother Mark this morning. He called in to pray, and he said, uh, the only thing that I like about this place out west is there's no humidity. And I know what he's talking about. I went out there for Jeremy's wedding, and I'm going to tell you something. It was the blankest place I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's so dry that they had rocks in the front yard, and they kept the rocks in order. Amen? I like grass, praise God. I like to cut it, don't you? Especially when your son-in-law gives you a lawnmower, praise God. You can ride around on that thing. I don't do much pushing. I just do a lot of riding, amen? And I try to get as close to the corner as I possibly can. I wiped out a mailbox the other day. But I want to tell you this. Thank God uh, for where we live. But I want to tell you something, friend. You can live in the barren desert. That's right. This place is beautiful, the world. This part of the world is beautiful. But this, it's not talking about the world that you ought to turn from. It's the world of Satan. You know, we have the world of sports. We've got the world of finance. It's a system. It's an antichrist system. And I want to tell you something. The world, politics, all those buzzards up there that are not right with God and not saved, they got one agenda. Follow me and don't follow God. Follow what you want. And it's me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. And folks, the world system is corrupt. Can somebody say amen? amen? We should love not the world, nor the things of the world. Right, so you got the lust of the flesh, but you got the lust of the world. And then you got the old devil. How many know that the devil's real? Amen. Raise your hand. If not, who in the world's bugging you all the time? Who's trapping you all the time? Who's trailing you all the time? Uh, the Bible says that we have some enemies. It's summed up in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. I think I read that this morning, but I forgot, so maybe you have too, but it don't matter, we'll hear it again. Ephesians chapter 1 or 2, verse 1 through 3, some of those powerful chapters in the Bible. I'm going through chapters instead of books right now, and one of the greatest chapters in the Word of God is Romans chapter 8. It's on the spirit life. It says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in their sins and trespasses. Now, folks, let me just say this. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. You were dead in your sins and trespasses, the Bible says. But you were quickened. That means brought to life. That's what quickened means. And, and you, you was transformed from death into life. That's a beautiful picture of salvation. That's a whole lot better than going to some altar and giving five Hail Marys and uh, four penances and and it's, it's a whole lot better than signing a card, joining a Baptist church, and going to hell as a member of a Baptist church. It's quickened. But look at Ephesians 2, 2. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. There's your enemy. According to the prince and power of the air. There's your second enemy. And the spirit now that worketh in the children of disobedience. There's your third enemy. The world, the flesh, and the devil. In this order, it's the world, the devil, and the flesh. But look at verse 3. Among whom also you had your conversation, your way of life in times past, in the lust of, here it is, our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and of the mind. That's what I'm going to preach on next Sunday morning a little tonight. 
And we're by nature as the children of what? Wrath, even as others. And as I said this morning, the next two words changes everything. But God. But God. You know, the Lord intercepted you. But the Lord invaded you. You have someone living inside of you. And I'll just say this. If you're not aware of His presence inside of you, you need, number one, check up about your salvation. Because it's much more than just some religious experience or much more than turning over a new leaf. And it's a whole lot more than reformation. Well, that's all we'd give the prisoners. We've got to give them regeneration. Say amen. Right. And so, folks, the law of sin of life. We're delivered from the slavery of sin. And I thank God for that, don't you? Go back to Romans chapter 8. Let's read that verse one more time. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free. But I want to tell you something. I can go into bondage anytime by resisting the spirit, by yielding to the flesh, and by listening to the devil. I mean, I won't be in the bondage of going to hell, but I'll be in the bondage of the flesh. You can at any moment get in the flesh. How many, how many has ever realized that? I mean, you was walking in the Spirit, had your devotions, and then some lady cuts you off on the way to work. What do you want to do to her? Why don't I say her or him? I'm always picking on lady drivers. None of them is bad as me. No, you want to cut them off. As Brother Steve Gregor says, you want to horn cuss them. I don't know where he got that term, Amen. Y'all asked him, I don't know. And you can get in the flesh just that quick, say amen. Just that quick. You ever had somebody pull out in front of you and go 10 miles an hour? Boy, you can get in the flesh just that quick. You say, I'm going to pass them on the hill. Your wife's saying, oh, Lord, please deliver me from this mad driver. The flesh. Somebody offend you in a second. You want to just get even and you want to get mad. You want to get irritated. You want to get offended. Oh, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Psalms 119, 165. So, folks, listen. When you trust the Savior, you no longer should be in control of your life. When you trust the Savior... You can have control over the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's why it's so sad when people are lost. Because people are lost, have no hope of overcoming the flesh. They have no hope of overcoming the devil. And they have no hope of overcoming this world. They're just a puppet. And I'll tell you something, when you get saved, you clip the strings and you hook up to Jesus and you become his slave. You become his servant. And folks, he sets you free. Amen. Some people say, oh, I get saved, but it's too boring. I guarantee you one thing, buddy, that my worst day is better than your best day lost. I'll tell you what, you're free to live in God's will. You're free to have power. You're free to have peace. You're free to have purpose. And you're even free to draw upon the power of God that's exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Free. Free. Thank God. I'm free. But we can live beneath our privilege in the flesh. You know, the flesh life is a life of fear. Fear. I mean, all the time, worry, and it controls you. I don't want to be controlled by fear, except the fear of God, say amen. 
Uh, it can be uh, your life in the flesh is frustrating. I mean, you will never, thank you ladies for that song, you'll never be satisfied unless you're a possessor and he possesses you by the Spirit. And then it's a life of failure. I don't care if you make a million dollars on this earth. What does it profit man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? Go to hell. And, in, and the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. He fared sumptuously. I don't know what that means, but I think he was loaded. All these athletes that we admire, some of them are multi-million dollar. I mean, the bench warmers make a million dollars. Hey, the backup quarterback in the NFL make over a million dollars, and all they do is chart plays. They won't get in unless the guy dies in front of them. Pardon expression. Gets his leg broke or throws his knee out. Oh, man, they're our heroes. No, they're not our heroes. If they're going to hell, they're a fool. And they're living beneath their privilege because when they get off the field, they won't be a hero to their kids and they won't be a hero to their wife and they won't be a hero in God's eyes and they might have the applause of this earth, but they'll never have the applause of heaven. And that's much more important. The flesh is futile. Futile. The law of the sin of life. Folks, we're delivered from the law of the sin of life. I want you to go back to Romans 7, verse 15 through 25. I have a message. You're tired of hearing about it. I'll just preach it. Get out of Romans 7 and get in Romans 8. In other words, get out of the flesh and get in the spirit. Stop yielding to the world Start yielding to the next world. Amen? Stop uh, crowning Satan as your chief advisor and start listening to God's word. But the Bible says, and this is Paul speaking. Now, if Paul had this battle, who am I to say I don't have a battle with the flesh? Who are you to say you don't have a battle with the flesh? All of you have a battle with the flesh. If you don't believe it, why do you get so sleepy when I preach? Why do you get so fearful when you go soul winning? Why do you have such a battle with your temper and your disposition and your depression? It's the flesh. Amen. If the flesh is eradicated, church of God, what, who gives you the, all that trouble? Why is it warring in your soul if it's not there? The flesh is still there. Amen. It'll be there till we take our last breath, free from the presence of sin. But it says, for that which I do, I will allow not. Listen now. What I would, and by the way, listen very closely. The word of God is important for you to feed the spirit. If the only thing you listen to is the news, you're depressed. If the only thing you listen to is that lady up there on Walton Avenue that charges you to tell your future, uh, you are very deceived. Sister Anna ain't got the future. Matter of fact, demons might tell her something about you, but it is not of God. So it says, for that which I do, I allow not. What I for what I would that I do, I not, but that what I hate, that I do. Now, folks, if you don't think I can read this, read it for yourself. <laughs> Look at verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, which you do, I consent unto the law that is, that is good. 
Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul speaking now. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. It's a struggle. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. There's that word mind that we're going to get into next Sunday. And bringing me into captivity, the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, listen what he describes the flesh as. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me? That's our topic tonight. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he changes his whole attitude. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin, there is there not, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Don't you ever stop reading when you just see a chapter heading. That's just so we can find it. The thought is, there is therefore. And so Paul was saying, I don't want to do bad and I end up doing it. I don't want to think that and I end up thinking it. I don't want to do that, but I end up doing it. I don't want to uh, react that way and I end up doing it. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am. And it's a wretched, the flesh is weak. Can somebody say amen? amen. The flesh is wicked and the flesh is wretched. Folks, if you play around with the flesh long enough, it'll bring you down to the gutter. Phil Kidd was preaching a message that I heard him preach. I was backslidden that night, went and heard him preach. But anyway, uh, and uh, he was he was un, he's an unusual guy, sort of crass, kind of tells you off. And it's hard to listen to him. But he had a good point. He was preaching on the flesh. He said he had a preacher friend that had a pit bulldog that loved his pet ducks. And this pit bulldog would play with the ducks all the time. He was chained to a clothesline. And he'd go up and down the clothesline. And the ducks liked old Fido so much, or Pit Boy, or whatever his name was, so much, he would, they would come up and play with that dog. But one day, he accidentally bit Donald, the duck, <laughs> and got the taste of blood in his teeth, in his throat. And that pit bull totally went wild. He slew all the ducks he could reach to. And then he tried to attack Phil and the preacher friend when they got out of the car. Now I want to tell you what made the difference. He got the taste of blood in his mouth. And I want to tell you something, folks. Sin, the flesh, and the devils, nothing 
play with. If he can entice you, that's what, that's what the flesh is. Weak, it's wretched, and the devil is aggressive and deceitful. It always shows you the front yard of sin, but never shows you the backyard of sin. Always shows you chapter one of sin, but never shows you the closing of sin. Always shows you the uh, glamour of sin, but never shows you the outhouse of sin. Promises you a tuxedo, and you end up in the rags of a mission. Or stripes on your uniform. And the devil is a deceiver. And what he says to you, the flesh wants that. Go ahead and enjoy yourself. Nobody will find out you're out of town. Just go to that motel with that harlot, that wicked uh, person, that strange woman. Nobody will find out. Gratify your flesh. Nobody will find out. That's when most people sin out of town and in the dark. Folks, God knows that's who counts. But I want to say this. Like pornography, sin is aggressive, it's addictive, and it's deadly. You open one chapter, you'll have to get two chapters. I'm saying, friend, the flesh is never satisfied. The flesh is a piranha. Don't get the taste of blood in your being. And of course, people are affected differently. Some lost sinners go into an unspeakable, wicked life. And some lost sinners have a good mama like I did and was scared to go into that. And it's a fear of mama before the fear of God. And they become pretty respectable teenagers. But both, both, both is a wretched existence. And both will end up in hell whether you're a good moral sinner or an awful, unspeakable, wicked sinner because it's still sin and it's still flesh and your nature is still corrupt. And folks, the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. Number three, or B, excuse me. We're delivered from the slavery of sin, but it's the law of sin of life it's also the law of the spirit of life that I see in this chapter. When Jesus comes in our life, he changes everything. Can somebody say amen? amen. I mean, when you got saved, did not your life radically change? If not, I mean, I was 11 years old. I didn't rob banks or kill people or shoot people. But I, I still, my attitude changed. And I wanted to go to church for the first time. And I wanted to read my Bible for the first time. The rest of the time, I just did it because mama made me. But I thank God that I had a mama uh, that was a very strict discipline person, disciplinary. She'd have got arrested for sure. But boy, I needed it. I needed a home like that. And when Jesus comes to your life, he changes everything. And he gives you the power of the Spirit. He gives you the ability to stand against those three terrible enemies, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Isn't that wonderful? You're more than conquerors, this verse, this verse says in chapter 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now in chapter 7, he's saying, I don't want to do this. I end up doing it. I want to do that. And I can't do it. What made the difference? He got out of the eye and got into the spirit. He yielded, stopped yielding to the flesh, the world, and the devil. 
and started yielding to the Holy Spirit. Folks, I'm talking about the spiritual life. It delivers you from the sentence of of sin, but it delivers you, praise God, from the slavery of sin. So let me just say this. If your life is habitual sin, you better check up. The Spirit might not be in your life. And by the way, if you can get away with sin and never get chastened, you're probably not saved. Because the Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he scourge and chasteneth every son who receiveth. In verse 8, he says, You're a bastard or illegitimate if you don't receive chastening after you sin. That's pretty plain, isn't it? That's about as blunt 30 as I've ever heard. That you're an illegitimate child if you can sin, 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 and get away with it and enjoy it and not get chastened by the Father in heaven. I knew Lily Cofield was my mama because I never could get away with anything. She had eyes in the back of her head. When I cut up on the back row, woo-hoo, she'd, come, she'd wear me out before I got to the car. I said, how did you see me? I never saw her turn around. I so helped me think she had eyes under her bonnet or whatever in the back of her head. Folks, I want to tell you something. God knows where you're at. This is a lesson we learn. Turn back to Romans chapter 6 and I'll close. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Oh, this is a great, this is a great, great chapter. Oh, I tell you what, this is probably chapter number 2 ought to preach. Romans 6 talks about victory over sin, the deliverance from the power of indwelling sin. Look at verse 6. The Bible says this. Knowing this, that our old man, that's old nature, that's flesh, my old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now look at verse 7. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Christ, or with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death is no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And so for you know what that's saying? You've got the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in you. So don't ever say you can't give up your little habit. You can't give up sin. Don't ever say that. Say you won't. Amen. Don't look at me that way. Say you won't because the Spirit says you can through Him because you have resurrection, life-giving, life-changing, devil-defeating, world-defeating, flesh-defeating power in your life. Can somebody look interested at least? You don't even have to say amen. But I like verse 11 through 14. How How do you do this? What's our part? What's our part in this spirit-filled life? Look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead. Reckon. Now we, have a, we have good language down here. We say, I'm, a, I'm reckon. I reckon you're okay. I reckon this. I reckon that. That's not a, what that means at all. It's like the word fixing. I'm fixing to go to the store. What you going to fix while you're going to the store? Amen. <laughs> I mean, we're hillbillies and proud of it. Say amen right there. Praise God. I'm fixing to go to the store. 
I reckon it's going to rain today. Where do we get such language? I ain't making fun of it. I is one. Amen. I'm as redneck as they come. When the sun's shining on the backside of my head. But look, it says, Likewise reckon you also yourselves dead indeed in the sin. You know what that reckon is? It's an accounting term. It means you believe and account what God says. He said you don't have to be a slave to sin. Reckon it so. He said that if you will give him your life, you'll live above the sin of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Reckon it so. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. The Christian life is a matter of faith. And folks, only by the Spirit of God can you have faith. The Holy Spirit makes God real, but also proclaims that God is right. And He's good as His Word. That's why this is spiritual. Worship the Lord in spirit and what? Truth. Let's go on. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves dead indeed into sin. But here it is, alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And when the devil knocks your door, you ought to say, hey, I'm resurrected. I got the resurrected spirit. Holy Spirit, would you take care of that? But here's how to get it in your life. Or here's how to fulfill this. Here's how to activate it. Here's how to do it. But not, but said, let not. Here it is, number one. Let not. Folks, that means turn the channel. That means don't go to that site of pornography on the, on the computer. That means don't date the girl that's a floozy or the boy that's a Casanova that wants to get you in bed before marriage. Come on now, I'm preaching now. Don't do it. Let not. Let not. But I want to tell you something. You will never resist the devil until you draw nigh to God and submit to him. Look at this. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. He's not king and he's not Lord. Reckon it so. That you should obey it. And here it is. In the lust thereof. If you're not careful, you're going to live a lustful life. I'm preaching to the best person in here. I'm preaching to the oldest person in here. Say amen, Brother Lamar. The oldest person. We still can resist, we can still give in to the lust of the flesh. Amen. Say amen. But here is the key to the Christian life. This is it. This is the bottom line. We're going. It says, neither, say the next word with me, class, yield. Ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But what class? Yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead. You've been resurrected and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Here it is. Yield. Not willing and dealing. Not being so determined and disciplined. Some, some people think they're so determined and disciplined they don't have to read their Bible, pray, and yield to the Spirit of God. They got it. And you're full of pride and you're full of yourself. And you're going to fall flat on your face. You leave the Bible out. You leave the Spirit of God out. And you just try to yield to your determination and your personality and your willpower and your experience. You're going to fall flat on your face. But thanks be to God that we can yield 
to the spiritual life. Be delivered from the slavery of sin. This morning, delivered from the sentence of sin. But praise God, we can be delivered from the slavery of sin. And then last but not least, we'll be delivered from the sickness of sin. And I take that in context of Leviticus 13, 14, and 15. Sin is not a sickness or you could take a pill for it and get over it. Some people say, oh, it's not drunkenness. It's alcoholism. And just take another drug and you'll be okay. No, you won't. You'll get hooked on that other drug. That's how weak we are. Say amen. And folks, we see the weakness of the law. The Bible makes it clear that every person who has not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior is sick. They're terminally ill in a comparison. And folks, I'll tell you what, when a person's sick, they try to find their own remedy sometimes. You ever done that? I mean, I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor. Because number one, I hate shots. And number two, I hate bad news. <laughs> and that's stupid. I mean, that's not wise. I don't know why I was looking at you, Brother Jim. But anyway, sometimes <laughs> these radical miracles and this remedy of physical won't work, and they won't work. There's only one remedy, one cure. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And his name is the Holy Ghost. And his name is the Father. And when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one oil, gets in your life, you are more than a conqueror. Right. And you have been released from the consequences of sin. And one day you'll go to heaven instead of hell. And you'll be released from even the presence of sin. Won't heaven be wonderful when there's no more flesh to war against? Oh, friend, listen. Isaiah 53, verse 5. The charismatics take this out of context and think that this is talking about physical. It has nothing to do with physical. It says in 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Listen to this now. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. It has nothing to do with physical. It's spiritual healing that we need. Because we're terminally ill. We're on death row. We're headed to hell without Jesus. But thank God the Holy Spirit can come in our life and convict us that Jesus is enough. That the cross of Calvary was enough. The last altar. That the blood will cover all the sins and our sins will be cast as far as the east and the west. And all we like sheep have gone astray, but praise God, all of us can be forgiven because He took our sin. And so folks, listen. Where the law failed, go back to Romans 8 real quick. This will be my last verse. It says, verse 3, For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, you'll never reform yourself. It's not wheeling and dealing, it's yielding. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, and the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Folks, here's the work of the Lord. We're saved in Jesus, but we're justified. Justified never sinned. And we, praise God, can only be right by Jesus. And folks, the righteous of this world will never save you, 
But thank God the blood of Jesus will save anyone that will come to Him and you'll be free, free, free. You'll be saved, saved, saved. You'll be saved from the penalty of sin. You'll be saved from the presence of sin. You'll even be saved from the presence of sin. What a wonderful experience it is to be saved and to be spiritually born again. We're made righteous by the work of Jesus on the cross, not by the work of the flesh, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. What a miracle. You're sitting there minding your own business in a church service, and the Holy Spirit says, you're lost. You ought to thank God for that. The Holy Spirit says, He's enough. The Holy Spirit says, if you'll trust the death, burial, and resurrection, you'll go to heaven and not hell. The Holy Spirit says, if you'll invite me in, I'll fight your battles. I'll overcome the enemy of the flesh. I'll overcome the enemy of the world. And I'll overcome the devil himself if you'll just invite me in and crown me as Lord of your life. And the Spirit of God begins to convict. And praise God, when the Spirit of God convicts, if you yield and believe, He converts. And you're changed from death unto life. I'm glad you say, say amen. amen. Father, I'm looking forward to the rest of Romans chapter 8 with all my heart. I know I'm getting old and I'm getting out of breath and getting out of energy. God, this chapter has energized me. Bless my heart and giving me hope and peace and joy and vitality because, dear God, your Spirit gives us liberty and your Spirit gives us life and your Spirit helps our life really count. We can be a spiritual daddy spiritual papa, a spiritual son of God, a child of God. We can be a spiritual leader, be a spiritual teacher, be a spiritual deacon. We can be a spiritual Christian, all because of your spirit that dwells within us. Now, dear Lord, if Paul had a problem with the flesh, we all got problems with the flesh. But God, help us not to yield to the eye in our life. In Romans 7, but God help us to yield to the spirit of Romans 8. God, thank you for the spirit of life that delivers from the sentence of sin, that delivers from the slavery of sin, and even delivers us from the sickness or the curse or the consequences of sin. Tonight, we thank you for saving us. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I said it this morning, I'm going to say it again. You ought to examine your life and see if the Spirit of God's in there. You ought to have a mirror to your soul and say, Holy Spirit, are you in there? And I'm not trying to demean the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit's the third person of the Trinity. But I want to tell you something. If the Spirit of God's in there, you got victory. You got a new thought life. You got a new want to. You got a new desire. You got a new life. So I want you to look inside. I want you to ask God to reveal to you, are you really saved? You say, how will I know, preacher? Because when you got saved, your life changed radically.
You pass from death unto life. That's a pretty radical change. You got a new want to. You got a new desire. And your desire was no longer to gratify the flesh. It was to glorify the Savior. How many say, preacher, I'm looking in now. And I believe with all my heart that I've been spiritually born again. And I believe if I died today, I'd go to heaven and be delivered from even the presence of sin. I'm so glad I'm saved. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? All over this place. Nobody's looking. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We're not going to come to anybody. But I believe the Holy Ghost has already come to somebody. How many glad you're saved? Say amen. I mean, you ought to be real glad. It ought to put a smile on your face when you feel sick. The chains have been broken. Several cannot raise your hand. And you'd say, preacher, tonight, I'm looking in my life and I don't see much fruit. Well, it might be because there's no roots. You're not really truly born again. And you'd say, Preacher, I'm concerned enough about my soul and my eternal destiny to ask you to please pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Say, Preacher, I really don't see the fruit. And I don't saying you're going to be perfect, but you you got one that will perfect you because he is perfect. It's in you. Two's raise their hand. How about you? God's working. I'm so excited that God's working on hearts because only the Holy Spirit can help you realize where you need, what you need, and where you're at. Anybody else? Let me just say this in kindness. You might have had a childhood decision, and I, I believe with all my heart you can be saved as soon as you realize he's a Savior and trust his word. And realize what sin is. But maybe you're not sure. Maybe you don't have an absolute 100% surety. Well, we'll help you tonight. We'll help you have assurance. So I want you to pray that God will give you full assurance. Because if you have a quarter in your pocket, it won't do you a dime's bit of good. You need to know you're saved. You need to know it. You can't even share something you don't know. You need to know you're saved. Let me say, preacher, I'm saved. But I'm not yielded to the Spirit of God as much as I ought to be. And I want to yield more of my life to God tonight. Would you slip your hand up? Anybody? God bless you. You, you, you. I want to yield more of my life. I want to yield to the Spirit more than I want to yield to the flesh. Come on. Anybody else? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd use these couple of verses I preached those that are referred to. Holy Ghost, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help people to realize it's too big a risk to say maybe I'm saved or I hope I'm saved. God, I pray they'd come down to this altar and let the counselor take the Bible show them how they can know they're saved. Lord, I pray for all we Christians that we'd stop getting in the flesh, living in the flesh, and we just live in the Spirit. Live in the spirit of life that you've given us. Pray God would yield more of our life to Jesus, to the Holy Ghost, than we ever have in our life. And let you have reign and rule of our life. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name.